This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we will review the Bible passage for that week's study. We'll examine some questions that teachers may face and give some teaching tips along the way. This summer, we are studying Jeremiah and Limitations. I'm Amber Vaden, your host, and today I'm joined by Tim Pollard. Tim serves as the team leader for Explore the Bible Kids, and he was actually just here two weeks ago. So thank you for joining us again today. Hey, you're welcome. We are always glad to have you. So today we're looking at session four, uh, where we will study Jeremiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. In today's study, we're starting off that Jeremiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. And in the in these verses, Jeremiah affirmed God as being righteous before raising the question of why wicked people prosper. He recognized that God allowed them to prosper and knew the heart of the prophet. However, Jeremiah wondered why God had not punished the wicked for their sin. Verses 5 and 6, uh, we see God's response. <laughs> he challenged Jeremiah to consider the difficult task before him. Jeremiah needed to lean into God's strength alone because things could get worse before they would get better. The Lord illustrated this by reminding the prophet that those closest to him would fail him. And then in verses 7 through 13, God explained that while the people of Judah had a special place in his heart, their rejection of him forced him to abandon them. The prophet could see God's judgment on the nation by how he allowed foreign nations to devastate the land. God called out his people for not heeding his warnings to serve him exclusively. And so our summary statement for the whole lesson today is Salvation includes entering into an exclusive covenant with God. Okay, let's jump into our questions. Tim, help us to understand what is the point of the rhetorical questions in verse 5? Uh, this is one of my favorite parts. I, I, I really do love this book because uh, the book of Jeremiah is just, it, it's great. Because when God calls Jeremiah, he basically tells him, you know, you're going to have a you're going to have a tough little time. Um, this is not going to be easy. You know, historically, where we are in history, you, you we're right at the end of the nation of Judah. Uh, God is about to send in these foreign armies to to take them out and, you know, just to, to lead them into, into um, exile. And that's that's Jeremiah's call. You know, when God called Jeremiah, he told him he he multiple times actually you know it's it's not going to be easy and and don't don't stray away you know stay faithful to me and i am going to support you i'm going to be there and I, I think the point of this rhetorical question really is that you know god is basically saying thing, things are about to get bad you know if you're if you're starting to falter right now when you're running with humans, wait until you start running <laughs> running with the horses um you know it's going to be it's going to be a, a little bit more challenging than what we're what we're seeing at the moment. So, you know, God is really just helping him to understand that these things are going to get bad. Uh, things are going to start to get worse. Um, but rely on me, stay faithful to me, and I am going to support you and make your your ministry prosper. 
Yes. So the uh, leader guide, I think, does a good job of uh, unpacking that verse a little bit. It says, as it references uh, the horses that you mentioned as well, it says, Jeremiah's new task would be as difficult as outrunning horses. Well, that's pretty difficult. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty difficult. Uh, verse 8 is another one that we kind of want to spend just a minute to kind of think through and talk about it. How should we understand verse 8? So verse 8, yeah, like you said, it is going to be a little bit of a challenge um, because mm -hmm. it uses a very strong word, which we in kids ministry, you know, we don't like ever using the word hate because it's <laughs> it's a super strong word. And so the question really is, you know, what did, what did God mean by that? What was what was the intent of the word hate? Mm -hmm. And I think the the explanation of that, that in context, the word really isn't isn't literal. Right. It's not that I have this burning, passionate hate because of you. It it really is to be understood to mean that the people had rejected me. They've yep. walked away from me. They've broken the covenant that I made with them. And, and in essence, the, the people really had become God's enemies mm -hmm. is the way that we should really take that uh, to mean that we're, we're the enemies of God or they're the enemies of God. And because of that, um, that's where that word comes in. Uh, the hate is displayed because of being the enemies of God. Yes. So like early in uh, verse eight, and I guess actually we're talking uh, eight and nine sort of go together. But early in verse eight, it says, my inheritance has behaved toward me like a lion in the forest. So inheritance is referencing God's people. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, look, you you have you have made some choices here uh, that clearly you're not following me here. You are, uh, you are rebelling. Uh, and so he's, he's kind of um, putting into some word picture using imagery of like a lion in the forest. And then mm -hmm. later uh, the birds of prey, he's, he's saying, this is, uh, this is what has happened. This has not escaped my notice. And, and even though he uses that, that word inheritance, which actually makes you think, oh, yes, they are his his prized possession, his, the people mm -hmm. for his kingdom. Uh, but he's like, but you have you are behaving toward me as a lion in the forest. So, yeah, he's very much calling out uh, what has been happening and helping them to see. And so it it is a little it may be startling for some group members to read that part that says, therefore, I hate her. But your your explanation is such a good one and and should help. Um, should help your group to kind of get a full understanding of of what that th those two verses are really talking about. So, well, I think you can even jump back one more verse to verse seven because it, oh. it 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 speaks in just as, oh, <laughs> as yeah, bold yeah. language. You know, I, I've abandoned my house, I've deserted my inheritance, and then you know, in the CSB it says I've handed the love of my life over to her enemies. So. You know, the, the progression of that is, but then the indictment is not on God. I mean, that wasn't God's choice. It was because of the, the people who had abandoned him Yes, um, that brought those actions around. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, wasn't God doing that, um, but it was, you know, it was the people's response to God that, that caused those things to happen. Yes. And that was a good word to look at verse seven because I was not paying attention to that. But yeah, it really, those three verses all go 
hand in hand. Uh, who are the shepherds in verse 10, and how do we see the impact of their actions in God's word? Okay, so, um, you know, shepherds a lot of times in the Old Testament refers to the the leaders, the spiritual leaders, the governmental leaders, whoever is in charge. Um, so, you know, this could be understood to be the kings that had previously ruled that had failed to live up to the the set standard of the day, which was, you know, is your heart like David's heart or is it is it mm -hmm. not like David's heart? And so, I mean, it could be referring to those who had led in a way uh, that was not honoring to God or was not seeking after God's will. Um, but it also could mean um, the kings that that God had set to come and to destroy Judah. Um, to bring yes. about that destruction of Jerusalem and to take those people into exile. Um, so there's a couple of different, you know, ways that, that we could really kind of interpret that. Um, you know, I think a lot of people look at that in context and say, you know, it's probably talking more likely than not about the kings that were coming. Uh, God had yes. already set this destruction in plan, uh, things were in motion. Uh, what was about to happen was going to happen. And then, you know, what happened was they destroyed the vineyard. Um, so again, you know, and vineyard is a word that Jeremiah had used earlier in this passage to talk about Jerusalem. Um, so, you know, we are, we are talking specifically about Jerusalem. Uh, they, mm -hmm. they destroyed it. They've destroyed my vineyard. They, they trampled my land and, they've made it what is really sad, a desolate wasteland. Um, and I yes. think that's, that's a really sad word when you, you know, we know why Jeremiah cried uh, later yeah. because he actually saw that, uh, you know, when that came to fruition, Jeremiah was there and he saw Jerusalem burning and he saw the desolate wasteland that it had become. And, you know, it, it made him sad and mm -hmm. I, I can totally understand that. Well, and it's important to remember that this was in response to their sin, uh, their unfaithfulness. And so it wasn't just that he was saying, I'm going to do this uh, because I have all this, because I, I have power and authority, mm -hmm. but it was, it was a judgment for, for what they had done. And I think it's interesting too, uh, that you say that, um, you know, historically, if you look at the history of Israel, you know, I mean, they've, they've sinned since day one. They crossed over the the Red Sea and started complaining. <laughs> you know, it's like, why don't we just go back to Egypt? Um, yes. We don't want to deal with all this. Um, so, you know, historically, God God gave them many, many, many opportunities um, to turn, and because of the continued disobedience it is what brought those things on so yes. you know just like you said it was not it wasn't a quick decision <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was a slow building process yeah and he even sent jeremiah to call him one more time to repentance mm -hmm. so he even sent prophets to uh well, and I think yeah. one of the things that we've talked about when we deal with some of these passages in Jeremiah is that that Jeremiah was not the only prophet going right now. God had sent a lot of prophets to Judah at this particular time because he really, truly wanted to get their attention and give yes. them that opportunity to turn. 
and, yeah. and they chose not to. So that's good. That's really good. Why is it so difficult? And I think this relates to us today too. Why is it so difficult to see ungodly people prospering? <laughs> and I think that goes back to a conversation that you and I had two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, you know, really it is, it, I, it all boils back down to selfishness. Yeah. It, you know, we want things and we want to see ourselves prosper and we do get angry mm -hmm. um, sometimes. I mean, you know, I think I can use that word. I think we get angry sometimes when we see bad people getting good things. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't like it. We don't like to see that happen. And, um, you know, because of, of who we are and because of our humanness, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we are selfish and, and we don't like to see the ungodly prospering. But I think the promise that God gave the people here and the promise that God gives us too is, you know, ultimately in the end, we know that God wins, right? Yes. So um, we know that <laughs> that those who are ungodly are not going to continue to prosper indefinitely at some point that that will that will cease. And, you know, God's God's promise to us is, is exactly the same that you know, ultimately, you know, he's promised these people, eventually you are going to return. You're going to yes. return to, to your place. Uh, things are going to be better. Um, and, you know, we look forward, obviously, to the day when perfection comes. And, um, you know, that's, that's a pretty good promise. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Uh, so that question, uh, and I didn't say it when I when I pose the question, but it, it comes from uh, verse two. Um, nope, sorry, that's verse one. Uh, why does the way of the wicked prosper? And so we know that uh, verses one through four, those are, that's Jeremiah speaking there. And then verses five through 13, that's the Lord's response. Uh, but in the first four verses, it's Jeremiah and he has some questions for the Lord. Uh, so when is it okay to question God? I feel like sometimes people, uh, I hear people say, oh, uh, it, it is not okay. He is holy and perfect and righteous, and he is. Uh, but when is it okay to, to question God? So that is a difficult question to answer um, because of that. Um, you know, I think if you look at the Bible holistically, um, there are many instances where, where people question God. Um, Elijah, you have Job, you have... Obadiah, you have, you know, several instances where people questioned uh, what God was doing. And God was patient with that. You know, God answered those questions as he did here with Jeremiah, um, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I think that it's okay for us to, to question, you know, people go through very difficult circumstances and situations in life. Um, and I, I think it is okay, as long as the questioning is not disobedience if that makes sense uh to to say yeah. it that way you know we can be honest in our questions to god um if we're truly questioning you know what is happening um but also relying on him to to give us that answer uh, not doing it in a vindictive kind of way um but but being open and honest with god i think that's what god wants from us he wants us to be honest because he already knows what we're going through anyway Yes. And I, I do think you said it kind of comes down to what is, what's the heart behind your question? And, and the thing is, he's going to know, <laughs> he's going to know 
the motivation of what what we're after i mean are we genuinely seeking to know his will are we genuinely seeking to know what to do in a situation or are we uh questioning uh, everything about his nature because we're angry upset you know um, broken hearted about something and there's it's um I think he knows, I think he knows when it crosses over into, okay, you're kind of just being rebellious at this point. It's not a, it's not a, um, this is not a productive right. thing. Uh, okay. So each week we have a Bible skill and uh, a key doctrine. And so the key doctrine this week is God's purpose of grace. Uh, and so this is a good one just to highlight to your group to spend just a second on, uh, it may seem, um, I don't know, it may seem a little simplistic to point these out each week in your group time, but mm -hmm. I think they can really be valuable and helpful, especially especially if you have any people in your group that are uh, new to Christianity uh, and are, are still understanding uh, kind of some of the distinctives and the, and the key teachings that we hold up from scripture as being super important. And so this is a so it's, it's good to spend a moment on that and to unpack that a little so they understand what we're talking about. Let me encourage you to take a look at the blog posts found on GoExploreTheBible.com slash blog. Every Thursday, a new post is added, and these posts will help you better understand uh, the Explore the Bible resources and the ideas behind these resources. Uh, often there may be just some practical helps on ideas you can uh, you can weave into your group time. Uh, so it's meant to be just a practical help for group leaders. And that is at goexplorethebible.com forward slash blog. Thank you for listening to us this week. And we hope you'll join us again next week when we look at session five, Jeremiah 18 verses one through 12. Our guest next week will be Bob Bunn, uh, and he has been with us before, and so he's always a great addition to this discussion. So we look forward to seeing you next week.